0: Praise God. It's good to be with you, and uh, I'm not going to preach. So I just want to share with you my own personal story of learning to hear the voice of God. It was not easy. Some people find it easy to hear the voice of God. Let me just see the hands. How many find it quite easy to hear the voice of God? Can I just see those hands? That's disgusting. Okay, so anyway, the rest of you can stay and listen. Those who find it easy, you're welcome to go, all right? Unless, of course, you would like to learn how to communicate it to the rest of us who can't hear God's voice easily, because When I ask people, how do you hear God's voice, they say, well, you just know that you know that you know. And I said, you know what? If I knew, I wouldn't actually be asking you now, would I? So um, I found that pretty worthless answer, and I backslid and um, came back to the Lord a few days later after I realized backsliding wasn't any more fun than following the Lord. So um, I got saved in a very, very, very conservative fundamentalist Bible-believing church. They just didn't believe that God could hear, that we could hear the voice of God, because they believed that God quit talking when he finished writing the New Testament, if you know about those kinds of churches? Say amen. And I said, Yeah, but I have this ache to he- to be intimate and hear his voice. And they said, You'll get over it. And so instead, instead, I got over them and found another church that I um, actually did believe that God was speaking today. But I, you know, they still couldn't teach me how to hear God's voice. And um, I tried lots of stuff. I tried fasting until I was skinny, which was very, very good to be skinny. And uh, I tried reading my Bible through and through and through, and that was good, too, because I learned the Bible inside and out, but I still couldn't hear the voice of God. And there is a verse in the New Testament that says, my sheep do what? Hear my voice. Anyone know who said that, by the way? Who was the one who said that? You can talk to me. Yeah, Jesus said that. Yeah, we believe in interactions. Say amen. Yeah, okay. You won't, you won't die or anything if you say amen. It'll be, it's really a pretty lot of fun, you know? And it's more fun for me if you're talking back and forth with me, all right? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thad, he's got it. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's practice together. Amen? Amen? Amen. See, that didn't even hurt, did it? know. Yeah. So anyway, um, my sheep hear my voice, spoken by Jesus. Does anyone know if that's like a possibility or a probability or a guarantee given by Jesus? Guarantee. It's a guarantee. I said, well, then how come it doesn't work for me? You guaranteed that if I was your sheep, I would hear your voice. And I can't hear any voice inside of my head. Inside of my head is only thoughts. And I said, I don't don't really want to hear voices because it'll lock me up in a mental institution if I hear voices, but one voice would be very, very nice. And uh, there was no voice. I mean, I listened, and all that's inside of my head is thoughts. And I said, I'm not going to fake it and pretend there's a voice because there's not a voice. And um, so I said, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not a sheep. So I checked to see if I was a sheep. But I got saved in a Baptist church. And how many of you know, if you can't get saved in a Baptist church, there's something seriously wrong with you, all right? I mean, if there's one thing they are really good at, it's getting people saved, you know? So I knew I had asked Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior, and I was taught that I had a personal relationship with Jesus, which is what got me to heaven. Amen? Amen. The only problem with my personal relationship was I couldn't actually hear him or see him or feel him, but I, I did have a personal relationship with him. So if you had a personal relationship with someone you couldn't hear, see, or feel, if you were married to someone you couldn't hear, see, or feel, how many think you could be missing something in the personal relationship? (laughs) So anyway, it was a big, long 11-year battle, which I'm going to skip the 11-year battle because of shortness of time today. And I'm going to tell you, finally, that I felt impressed in my heart to take a year of my life to learn to hear the voice of God. I had never taken a year to learn one lesson ever. Uh, But that year, a focused laser light energy, I was able to break through and hear the voice of God. I've learned since then that whenever I'm stuck with any area, take a a year, focus on it, and God will give you a breakthrough, and you'll have mastered that area. So that year year was 1979. I read every book on prayer I could find in the bookstore. I read everything in the Bible I could, on prayer and hearing God's voice, I could find. I went to conferences on hearing God's voice, none being offered by the church that I had left. Uh, and uh, God stretched me a lot. And I'm going to ask if I could just stretch you just a little bit this morning. Would that be okay? All right. And the way I want to stretch you is it's not going to be a hard way. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you to become like children. Because how many know the Bible says if we want to enter the kingdom, we have to become like little children. And how many know this church understands little children? Amen? I mean, I think I saw more little children here than I've seen almost any place, you know. It was very exciting to see. So um, God taught me. Through one year focused effort, four keys. He actually woke me up in the middle of the night. I mean, I had three by five cards all over my office floor. I had books all over, and I was saying, "God, how do these people do this who hear your voice? Because I don't." And he woke me up five or six o'clock in the morning with an audible booming bass voice. The only time in my entire life I've heard a booming bass voice. And he said, "Get up! I want to teach you to hear my voice." And I was pretty startled. And I wasn't too much into dreams and, you know, audible voices, so I woke straight up in bed, sat up, and said, you can teach me here in bed, and I lay back down. <laughs> totally non-religious view, amen? He said, get up. I'm going to teach you to hear my voice. I said, fine. So I went over to my office, and he showed me these four keys. Out of all the three by five cards I had and everything I had, he showed me these. They're in Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We have a PowerPoint to go with it. Here's Habakkuk. And if you have a sheet of paper, which I think you all should have paper and pencil, I'm going to suggest if you want to write these four keys down, you can. They were definitely given by God. They work very, very well for anyone who will work them. I promise you they will work if they don't work, it will be Antley's fault, of course, because he's the one who invited me in this morning. If you need paper or pencil, would you raise your hand if you don't have paper or pencil? And would someone pass around? Uh, who? All right, who needs paper? If you just need paper, raise your hand for paper. Anybody in that category? All right, then it's pencils. Someone help with that box of pencils and grab a handful out of that box of pencils and go to the other side and start passing pencils out to fine folks on this side, would you? If you have an extra pen, you could loan it to the person next to you. If you're a Christian entrepreneur, you could sell it to them, but otherwise, just loan it to them, all right? Pencil. Keep your hand up. All right. Oh, gee, he's throwing pencils. No, 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 no. We, we don't throw pencils. We trust the Lord. Yeah, he just, yeah, that's an abuse, I believe, right there, so praise God. i the voice of God. We don't use the voice of God to cover our sins, in case you're wondering, All right. Okay, Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice. And If you're going to title anything, you can title it Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice. You can write down Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2. He's a prophet who can hear the voice of God. These four keys these are also found in the book of Revelation. If you'd like a second verse for it, put down Revelation verses 1, uh, chapters uh, 10 and 11. Because the same four keys are found in Old and New Testament. They're found throughout the Bible. Habakkuk's a man who can hear the voice of God. And so here's what he does. He does four things. He said, I'm going to go to my guard post. I'm going to keep watch to see what he'll speak to me, and the Lord told him to record the vision. And those two verses are four keys to hearing God's voice. And you don't need to write this whole verse down because you're going to be able to find that in your Bible, but let's go forward to PowerPoint, and you can write down these next uh, things in these next few PowerPoints. Key number one for Habakkuk was, I'm going to go stand on my guard post. And so that for him meant he was going to go quiet himself in the presence of God. Now, he called it a guard post. You can call it a prayer room. You can call it a soaking room. You can call it your living room couch. Any place that you're able to get alone to hear the voice of God is fine, okay? So key number one is to have a quiet place where you can go and quiet yourself in God's presence. And I think most of us knew that except for I believe something opposite than that. I was taught don't you dare still your mind because if you do, guess who could move upon it? The devil. so you know, half of me scared spitless of becoming still, because I don't want Satan to get me. The other half is saying, "Be still." Well, so point number one is: Is it right to distill your mind, or is it wrong to distill your mind? Anyone know the answer to that? Right. I think it is right that the Bible says, "Be still and know." And if you want that I am God, if you want to put that verse in the margin, it's Psalms 46:10. So if David can say, "Be still and know," and Later in the Psalms, he said, be silent, my soul. He commands his soul to become silent. I don't think I need to fear Satan moving upon me. Because how many of you know fear is nothing more than faith and in reverse? And if I fear that Satan's going to get me, what I'm really saying is I believe in the power of Satan to get me. How many know it's not really healthy to believe in the power of Satan to get you? Amen? Because according to your faith, be it unto you. So if you're going to believe for Satan to get you, guess what you open the door for? Satan to get you. And you know what? I do not believe Satan can touch me at all. Because he is a defeated foe. I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm hidden under the shelter of his wing. And since I'm hidden, he can't even find me. That's part of the reason that you're hidden, right? Satan can't even find you. And if we go and ask for the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I will give you the spirit and you will not get a serpent, amen? And you will not get a stone. So if we're asking in prayer... For the voice of God. How many of you know we have a guarantee that we will not get a serpent? Amen. And I just need you to say, yes, Lord. Let's try it together. Yes, Lord. All right. If he says it's this way, it's this way. Especially if I believe that. He also said, if you want to believe something different, you can suck almost anything into your life, including Satan. So if you want to believe for Satan to get you, faith will work in reverse as well as, well as it works in forward gear. Fair enough? Say amen. Okay, you're warming up to me. That's good. Praise God. I'm sure by the end of the service, you will like me. Okay. number. So I said to my mind, I said, mind, be still. And it said, make me. (laughs) I said, this isn't going to work. So a simple biblical technique to still your thoughts is in key number two. So let's take a look at key number two. Key number two is uh, Habakkuk said, I'm going to keep watch to see what he's going to speak to me. And I said, you know what? If I was going to write that sentence, I wouldn't say that. I would say, I'm going to listen to hear what he's going to speak. And I said, how come he's trying to see? Because when I'm trying to hear a word, I'm not trying to see anything, I'm trying to hear. And uh, so by the time the Lord answered that question, he showed me that vision is a very important part of prayer. I should be using the eyes of my heart, looking in the spirit realm, trying to see things. And i would never done that. So key number two is to look for vision as you pray. When I learned this in 1979, there was no teaching in the church on vision in 1979. Today there is. There's teaching for it and against it. Some people are very against any use of pictures to encounter God, and some people are very into it. So I think we need each one of us to decide for ourselves, am I open to believing in vision? How many do believe that God gave you eyes in your heart? How many believe God wants to fill them a dream and vision? And how many believe the, the New Age movement would like to steal this capacity from the church and make us afraid of it? Amen? And how many of you know we do not have to just stand in fear just because a cult group decides they want to use it also, amen? Because I don't really build my theology in reaction to cult group. I build my theology in reaction to the word of God, amen, and to the spirit of God within me. And if God says, by the way, did the Bible say that God gives us dream and vision? Put down Acts 2.17, if you will, in the margin. Acts 2.17, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. Did he say we might get dream and vision? He said, we shall. And I said, well, I don't get dream and vision. So that either means that God's word is lying to me or I'm doing something incredibly wrong. How many vote for God's word lying? How many vote for me doing something incredibly wrong? I'm with you. The thing I was doing incredibly wrong is I wasn't asking for vision. I wasn't looking for vision. I wasn't believing for vision. And I wasn't getting it. Because we have not because we asked not. So I repented and said, you know what? I'm going to start asking for vision. If God has promised he's given it to me, I'm going to ask for it, and I'm going to believe for it. And when I ask God for a vision, if a picture lights up my mind, I'm going to believe it came from God, because I'm going to believe that when I ask for the Spirit, I get the Spirit, and I don't get a serpent. If you think that's fair enough, biblically speaking, will you say amen? Amen. And so I did. And my fear and doubt, I don't think so. And I said, well, fear and doubt, you can leave. Because how many of you know the first line of Satan in the Bible was, did God really, really say this? How many know Satan's always trying to move on us with fear and doubt? I don't really think that was God. How many think after all these thousands of years, we ought to finally say, Satan, you're not using that line on me. It's an old line. You use it in Genesis chapter 2. I'm not falling for it anymore. Do you think that'd be a fair posture? You know, we, we can learn from scripture and we don't have to make all the same mistakes that they made. So use vision. Fix your eyes on Jesus, particularly Hebrews 12 of 1 and 2. says fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, I memorized that verse because I'm a Baptist, so I memorized lots of verses. But you know what? I never did it. And how many of you know it's actually the verses you do that make a difference? Right? I mean, I never took my eyes. I mean, how many know Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is Emmanuel, God with us? Which means he's right here. Am I right? I never once took my eyes and looked and said, Jesus, just show me where you are. (laughs) And when I do that, he's sitting right there on the stage, his knees crossed, big smile on his face saying, Mark, go get him. And that's what I see. Is that true? I think it is, because I chose to believe that when I asked God for a picture and I looked to God to give me one, and a picture appears, I chose to believe it came from God. You say, but child, you, didn't, you didn't fall down and, and foam into the mouth or go crazy or have a wild emotional experience or, or anything. Well, how many of you know, even though that's possible, it's not always necessary? And I mean, did Paul, I mean, Paul in Damascus wrote, how many of you know he fell down, went blind, had a vision, heard a booming voice? And how many know that is a, a way to get a vision? But Jesus got vision. He said, I, I do only those things which I want. See the Father doing then? hear the Father speaking. How often do you think Jesus is seeing vision? All the time. Is he falling down all the time? Is he trembling and shaking? I don't think so. He's just simply seeing pictures. Very natural, very easy, very simple. How many think Christianity is going to be natural and simple enough for a kid to do? And how many of you know we're just about making it easy enough for our children to do right here? I taught my daughter, Charity, to do these four keys when she was seven years of age, and I taught her 20 minutes, which is the same period of time I'm giving me to teach you. She got it, and she began to journal and hear what God was saying. She's now 30, and she's journaled all the way through from, tw- from 7 to 30. How many think that helps to get through your teenage years? <laughs> Amen? Amen. So, so this worked if I want to believe it. Derek Prince, one of my great teachers, said every major step forward in your Christian life will be a step of faith. Where you say, one more section of scripture, I believe it, and I can live it. Steps forward is not new theology. Steps forward is me appropriating a scripture verse and saying, that works in me. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look for vision. First time I looked for vision, I entered a Bible story that I was reading. I just read the story. Jesus was a Samaritan woman. She was sitting at the edge of the well, and so I put myself in. There's Jesus sitting there, and there's me sitting there. I'm picturing the Bible story. How many of you picture Bible stories when you read them? Would you please just raise your hand if you do that? And how many don't picture Bible stories when you read them? Would you please raise your hand? And how many don't want to raise your hand? Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, commit myself when I can be non-committal, praise God? Who knows he might push me into a corner and embarrass me. All right. So anyway, most of you picture. That's called visualizing. It's called imagery. It's called imagination. All right. Is there any imagination here? Yea, though I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. Thou preparest the table before me. In the presence of my enemy, my cup runneth over. Is he picturing? Is he visualizing? Is this imagery? And when I read it, would it be guided imagery? Is he guiding my imagery? Would that be biblical if I let him do that and picture those scenes? I think so, so I don't know that I have to be afraid of imagery that's a little bit guided. If I read the Bible and I picture the scenes, how many of you know the whole thing would be guided imagery? But how many of know the church today, a part of them are scared spitless over anyone even suggesting imagery? So I explained to God he should rewrite his Bible, get the imagery out, <laughs> remove the pictures and the stories, and make it systematic theology. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> we'll all be much more comfortable with that, and the new age can have pictures. Hallelujah. Unless, of course, a picture is worth a thousand words. Unless, of course, a picture is the language of the heart. Pictures are the language of the heart. Because every time the Bible uses the word imagination, it says imagination of the heart. And maybe it's faith in my heart that casts mountains into the sea. And maybe that means faith that's born in pictures gets the job done. That's what happened for Abraham. God gave him a picture and said, see the stars of the heaven? You're going to have that many kids. Next verse says, then Abram believed. A picture from God produced heart faith for the father of faith the one who demonstrates faith for us So, if I want faith to be healed Lord could you give me a picture of what my body looks like healed if I want faith to disciple this nation which is what he asked us to do disciple the nation God could you give me a picture of what America looks when it's discipled by almighty God and how many of you know if we held pictures like that it would produce produce faith in our heart to move forward and disciple the nation amen because Satan says I got a picture I'd like to give you too He says the antichrist devouring the whole church and and the wickedness growing, you know, and you all hiding. How many know that's also a picture? That's also imagery. It's also guided imagery. And how many even know if I hold that picture, I'll probably go hide in a cave someplace and say I don't think I can make a difference. So there's no such thing as not having pictures. It's just choosing: will my pictures be divine or demonic? Will they come from God or will they come from Satan? So I'm not afraid of pictures. I've looked up every single verse on dream and vision imagination in the entire bible we have a list of 400 which are in, in our book in our seminar guide i've prayed over all of them saying god how do you want to use the eyes of my heart how do you want me to use them how many of you know if we're childlike and you read a bible story to a child will they picture it yeah, yeah absolutely okay so Petrine's okay with me all right and as our culture leaves the false god of rationalism which we've worshiped for 800 years pictures will be okay for our culture too we're in the process of leaving that 800 year history right now. All right? So look for a vision. I picture Jesus on the screen inside my mind. <clears throat> there I'm sitting there in the, next to the well, on the well next to Jesus, because I put myself in the Bible story. And I tuned to flow. I said, Holy Spirit, will you take it over? Because it's good to pray when you're in the Bible. How many of you know when you're in the Bible, it's good to pray? I pray that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened, that I might know. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, that's his Paul's prayer. So I pray, God, would you enlighten the eyes of my heart? And sure enough, the picture in my mind that I painted came alive. It was enlightened. And as it came alive, Jesus gestured. And as he gestured, a brilliant, a very simple, easy thought came to my mind. Love unconditionally. And it was an answer to the question, Lord, how should I handle this foster girl I've got in my house who's breaking all the household rules, and I want to beat her up in Christian love? <laughs> he said, love for unconditionally. Uh, it's pretty simple. I mean, this is core Christianity, but it wasn't what I was planning on doing. That was my first use of godly imagination, which transisted into a vision. When I paint the Bible scene, that was godly imagination. When I asked the Holy Spirit to take it over, and it came alive... With the flow of the Holy Spirit, it moved into a vision, and with that vision came the voice of God. All right, we're going to leave that right there. We teach for hours on vision, but this is a brief introduction, remember? Key number three, what does God's voice sound like? What he will speak to me. I'm going to suggest God's voice sounds like a spontaneous thought. God's voice sounds like a spontaneous thought that lights upon your mind, which is the Very, very easy definition for the voice of God, a spontaneous thought. How many of you have spontaneous thoughts every day of your life? Amen? I had never theologically asked the question about the origin of thoughts. I had never assessed that. And I'm going to suggest to you that if you analyze and think up the thought yourself, that it's coming from you. And if it comes spontaneously, it's coming from the spirit realm. And if it's a spontaneous positive thought, it's coming from the Holy Spirit. If it's a spontaneous negative, it's coming from an, an evil spirit. For example, how many of you have driven on the road in a car, had a thought come to you spontaneously to pray for somebody? If that's happened, say amen. How many of you felt that was the voice of God saying to pray for that person? What did God's voice sound like in the car? Was it like a booming bass or just a spontaneous thought? Spontaneous thought. That's what I said. I said, hey, when I think I hear the voice of God, It doesn't come as a voice, as I would define voice. It just comes as a spontaneous thought. So maybe voices from the spirit realm sound like spontaneous thoughts. And maybe when I want to hear God's voice, I should quiet myself down, fix my eyes on Jesus, tune to the spontaneity, and perhaps the spontaneous flow that comes will come from Jesus. That was a guess. I wasn't sure. I said, I'm going to experiment. So I tried it. and, And sure enough, I found out that that was exactly the way it worked, all right? All right, so um, spontaneity. Another word for spontaneity is flow. Flow. When we we got involved in worship this morning, how many had flow kick in, and you weren't even thinking anymore about what was going to happen? You were just kind of in flow during the worship time. If that happened to you, just say amen. And when flow kicked in, how many found that flow was was part of the anointing? That was the anointing. That's what it felt like. So a flowing thought, spontaneous thought. How many have been in prayer and had flow take over your lips, and you've just prayed from flow for 10, 15 minutes? How many find that was very anointed? How many have had no flow kick in, you just prayed because reason said, pray for 30 minutes, you'll be a good Christian? Can you tell the difference? One is me doing a religious work, and the other is the Holy Spirit flowing through me doing a live work and an anointed work. So I um, finally discovered flow, and I said, where is flow in the Bible? And I found it. You can put the reference in the margin. Uh, john chapter 7 verses 37 to 39 john chapter 7 37 to 39 out of your innermost being shall what What? flow rivers of living water this he spoke concerning what the holy spirit so talk to me folks according to that verse what does that verse say the holy spirit feels like inside of you flow now for me that was a huge revelation I had never said, flow within me is the Holy Spirit. I mean, I read the verse, I memorized it, I just didn't get what it was saying. So if I'm going to tune to the Holy Spirit, I tune to flowing thoughts or flowing pictures or flowing emotions. Because I have eyes and ears and emotions in my spirit and I can open all three of those up. Get flowing thoughts, flowing pictures, flowing emotions and when I worship, that's what I do. I just open myself up to flowing thoughts, flowing pictures, flowing emotions and see where I go in the spirit, all right? So that became very, very, very helpful to realize that flowing thoughts are the voice of the Holy Spirit within me. And then the fourth key, key number four, is to journal it out. God said to Habakkuk to record the division. And so we're going to say key number four is to write down that flow of thoughts and pictures within you. When this flow begins, you begin to write. Write down the flow. When the flow kicks in, you start to write. Write down the flow of thoughts and pictures within you. We're going to call it two-way journaling. I just don't want you pouring out your heart to God, but I want you to uh, let God do some talking back because how many know prayer is a two-way dialogue, it's supposed to be a two-way dialogue between two people? And since God's the smarter of the two, I think it's nice if he can do most of the talking. And um, so journaling. I said, God, I said journaling is a really bad idea I said, You know, I hate English, speller, spelling, grammar, and writing, and my prayer time already does not work. And if I have to write up my prayer time, it will be doubly dead. And God said, You know, Mark, if your approach to hearing me, my voice isn't working, you could just try mine just in case I know something. How many you think that might be a possibility? I said, Fine, I'll try it. So I tried it just to prove that it wasn't going to work for me. It's called an open minded approach to spiritual growth. I am so amazed that God works with me, you know? I got my pen out, quieted myself down, fixed my eyes, and Jesus said, "Lord, what do you want to say to me?" Tune to flow, and I got a half a page. I got a page actually. I took it to my wife Patty, and I had her read it, and she said, "I really believe that's God." I said, "Really?" I was floored. I went back to my office and journaled for another half hour. I got another page. I took it to Patty. She said, "I still believe it's God." I went back and journaled another half hour. Took it to Patty. She said, "I still believe it's God." I did that all morning. In the afternoon, I journaled for an hour to crack and took it to Patty. She said, "I still believe it's God." I got five hours of two-way journeying and then the first day that I journaled. This is a guy who couldn't even hear God's voice yesterday and I just wrote for five hours what he's saying. How many know that's considered a breakthrough? Yeah, and so I said, excuse me, why did writing release the voice of God? And the Lord showed me, he said, Mark, when you used to try to hear my voice, when a spontaneous thought would come to you, your immediate thought would be, hmm. wonder if that one came from God. Anyone do the old hmm thing? Anyone know what hmm is? It is doubt. And the Bible says those who come to God must come in faith. Say, in faith. faith. So I'm in faith for two whole seconds, and I shift from faith to to doubt. Say, hmm. Jam the receiver, hang up on God, and God says, you know, Mark, it's really hard to have a relationship with you. Because every time I start talking, you hang up. I said, I'm so afraid of being deceived by the New Age movement. He said, you could trust me for five minutes. I said, I never thought of that. (laughs) How many believe God could be trusted for five whole minutes to keep you while you're in prayer? And if he can't, then you should probably find a God to worship that you can trust. Because God can be trusted. So now, here's the value of journaling. Because when I journal, I don't have to say, hmm... When flow kicks in, I can write and write in simple, childlike faith, believing the spontaneous flow within me is God because I know when I'm all done writing and it's 10 or 15 minutes later, I can go back then with a page or two from God and I can say, hmm, and I can test it with scripture and share it with my spiritual advisors and make sure it's God, but then I'm not jamming the receiver because I've already captured 10 or 15 minutes of God talking. So journaling is a tool that lets me stay in faith for an extended period of time, knowing I can test it later. And because I can test it later, I don't have to test it now. If that makes sense, would you say amen? amen? Amen. So journaling and vision opened up the voice of God within me. And it will within you too. And what I would like to promise you is anyone who will take these four keys and try them at one time, they will be able to hear the voice of God. I've now taught this for 30 years all over the world to every age group from children in a high school assembly to people uh, uh, who are 82 years of age. And it works for all ages. We have one 82-year-old little lady who, from Canada who has written a book of her journaling, which we have on our website and we sell. We have several books of journaling from people who've learned these four keys. And uh, we have a newsletter that goes out every month with samples of journaling from all over the world. We have 200 prisoners take, who've taken this course, communion with God, in prisons all over the world, Learn to hear God's voice, One of these prisoners is in a prison in South Africa has taught 27 other prisoners how to hear God's voice. All right, so it works for Dunklin' Memorial Camp, Okeechobee, Florida. I've been down there year after year, and it's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation camp. These guys, their lives are busted. They're getting fixed up there uh, with Mickey Evans, and uh, they teach them the two-way journey. They've had me teach it to them, and they teach it to them. They make it a required part of their life, and it heals them up. In Estonia, Mart Vahi, another close friend of mine, got the same thing, a drug and alcohol rehabilitation camp. And they required journaling for a half hour of every day for these guys. So this will work for anyone. It will work for your children easier than it worked work for you because they don't have their brains all programmed to reject spontaneity. All right? So definitely try it with your kids. But let's try it right now and just see if it works. You want to do that? Yeah. All right. That was three people. That's enough for me. Praise God. <laughs> And the rest of you, I'm sure you'll get saved before the service is over, praise God, because we're going to have an altar call, all right? So you should have paper. You need about like half a sheet of paper. Is there anybody who doesn't have a half sheet of paper left and needs a little bit more paper? If you do, raise your hand. All right, here's a few hands going up. Is there anybody who can help these people with hands up by getting them a little bit of paper, if we could? Keep your hand up till you get some paper. It'd be great to try this, all right? Because I really am big on trying Christianity to make sure it works, because it does work. It is real. And I'm sick and tired of it not being real in my life and anybody else's, and I insist on making it real, all right? If my sheep hear my let's say it together. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Say that's true. true. Say I'm a sheep. sheep. I can hear his voice. voice. He promised I can. And I'm going to push into that promise. Until it's a reality within me. me. Amen. Amen. See, that's the only attitude toward Scripture that I know to take. If God says it's mine, I say, I'm not resting until I own it. Fair enough? All right, so journaling time. We're going to make the first one simple. I'm going to uh, let you write a little love letter to the Lord. Something that my wife and I, we did... In college, when we were engaged and uh, during summer vacations, we, we were apart by a five-hour drive. We wrote love letters back and forth every day all summer long. This is a guy who hates to write. Because I was in love, I wrote love letter every single day all summer long. Okay, So love is kind of powerful, isn't it? It changes you. All right. So I'm going to ask you if you would write just one paragraph of sharing some of your love for the Lord. I know you could write pages, but why don't you just take one paragraph and say, Lord, Here's some of the reasons I love you so much. And while you're doing it, please use vision. I mean, you can picture him there sitting next to you. He surely is. He's the Emmanuel God with you. Um, or you can go sit by the Sea of Galilee. That works fine. You know, whatever is comfortable for you. And uh, so fix your eyes on Jesus. Share your love with him for only a paragraph. Because I want it to be two-way. And then I'd like you the second paragraph for you to let God talk back to you. And let Jesus say, I love you too, my child. And tune to Flowing Thoughts. Have your eyes fixed on Jesus, tuned to flowing thoughts, flowing pictures, and whatever's flowing, just write it down in simple, childlike faith. Don't test it. Don't analyze it now. Just write in faith for now. We can test later. But you can't test if you don't have anything. So write something down, and then if you decide later it wasn't God, you can throw the sheet of paper away. But if it is God, then you've got a paragraph of God speaking to you. So I'm going to give you about um, six, seven minutes right now to do some two-way journey and just share your heart with him Tune to flow, let him share his back heart back with you. All right, and I'll come back and draw us together in about five or six minutes.